the Lord. Bless the Lord. I uh, would speak to you today, um, but maybe we'll give the title God and God Alone. Hmm? So we have here um, one of those questions that Jesus is asked, and, and as you heard the gospel proclaimed, it's, it's more of a provocation. It's, they're trying to entrap him. But he gives, again, a very masterful answer, as he always does. Um, as we look at this gospel, there's a couple different levels to look at it. The very first thing to note about it is that there's a kind of a plotting of very peculiar partners. Strange bedfellows, the old expression goes, right? Um, there is... The Herodians are plotting with the Pharisees. Y'all, they were enemies. They hated each other. They hated each other with a passion. The Herodians were very tied into the Roman occupation to the, you know, the King Herod and the whole Herodian dynasty, along with maybe the Sadducees who also liked the Roman occupation. But we have here... Uh, that they're, they're potting with the Pharisees who hated the Roman occupation and uh, also along with the um, zealot party who wanted to you know, destroy and remove the Romans. The Romans were occupying the land that they called Palestine and um, were uh, you know, oppressing the Jewish people with taxes and other burdens and so on. But I will also argue with you in a few moments some blessings as well. But it's, a, it's an amazing thing to start as we look at this gospel and see how these people, the Herodians and the Pharisees, agreed on nothing except one thing. Jesus has to go. Jesus has to go. Now, this is an important teaching because if you're really going to be a true Christian, this world's going to hate you. And it isn't just one side of a political aisle or another. If you're really a true Christian, you're not going to fit into anybody's little box, into anybody's party, into anybody's point of view. Jesus is bigger than all this stuff. So, I mean, I, I've given you this litany before, but, you know, I've, I've, I've used it. But let's, let's do it again. You know, so many years ago when I was working even at the White House with Bible studies many years ago, I was, I was struggling with the idea that I thought we were rushing to war with the Iraq war. Some of you may remember it. And they call me a Democrat. <laughs> um, I'm pro-life. They call me a Republican. <laughs> I'm, uh, you know, I, 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 I struggle and fight for affordable housing. They call me a, a Democrat. And likewise, I'm against physician-assisted suicide and, and so on. And, and they call me a Republican. And all this time, I was just trying to be a Catholic and a Christian. Okay. I was reminded by Father Swink today that, you know, our loyalty is not to an elephant or to a donkey. Are you following me? Our loyalty is to a lamb, the lamb of God. But most of us, I'm going to just say, struggle with that. We tuck our faith under our politics, our worldview, and all these things. But if you're a true Christian, you're going to be an equal opportunity offender. <laughs> And also, you're going to be an, an, an equal opportunity victim of, of persecution. Jesus was crucified outside the city gates. The book of Hebrews says, let's go outside the gates to die with him. In other words, we're not going to fit into somebody's little system. 
if you're an honest and true and good Christian. You're going to have plenty to challenge the political order and plenty to also have agreement with. But at the end of the day, be a Christian. But a lot of us get it backwards. So just take note of this. Two utterly hateful, these, this, these groups couldn't hate each other more, agreed on only one thing. Jesus has to go. Have you ever thought about this? That there's a very special hatred for Jesus in the world today. You can go to our public schools and talk about Muhammad. You can talk about Hinduism. You can talk about Ashtard or rocks or New Age, but you don't mention Jesus. Or, frankly, I'll also say the Jewish people have often been very much... Uh, persecuted and hated down through the many, many centuries. Why is this? Well, the Jewish people are a chosen people. God has put a mark on them. Likewise, the Catholic Church, very much identified with Christ. And Satan inspires this hatred. It's not rational. People say, oh, you're trying to impose your religion on me. No, I don't have that power. You know, we, we, the Catholic Church has not been that powerful for a long, long time. Somebody say amen. You know, but, but they, now it's those who accuse us. They're the ones. You bake me a cake, you bigot, or you will, you, I'll see you in court. They're, they're hauling us into court, you see, because we're not woke enough or whatever. You get the idea. Listen, there's a very unique and special hatred for Christ. And I'm sure it's inspired by the devil. The Catholic Church especially is very, very hated. The Methodist Church, the Episcopalians, they don't, they don't have this hatred. There's something about the Catholic Church that inspires special hatred. It's not rational. It's satanic. Get a, get a hold of that and realize it. All right. Now, I didn't mean to spend so much time on that point, but you know, don't miss it. Very strange bedfellows here. Herodians. And Pharisees? Are you kidding? Yes. No, I'm not kidding. They're conspiring. They agree on nothing except one thing. Jesus has to go. Now, they present to him then, if you will, well, first of all, they try to ply him with praise, you know. <laughs> oh, Rabbi, you're an honest guy. You're a straight shooter. You tell the truth. You, you just say it like it is. And so they're, they're, you know, buttering him up, right, for the kill. <laughs> now, he's not, he was not Jesus. This is not his first rodeo. He wasn't born yesterday. He knows what they're up to. But again, they go to him and they say, now, look, you know, we know you're going to give us a straight answer. So again, we just want to see here that uh, it's all basically a pretext um, that goes on. But we then come, though, to the heart of the message. They do ask him, first of all, he said, knowing their malice... Jesus said to them, why are you testing me, you hypocrites? They ask him about this, whether it's lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not. Why are you testing me, you hypocrites? Now, he uses the word hypocrite. Hypocrite comes from the Greek word hypocritos. It means actor, an actor. So in other words, you know, they're, they're just playing a role here. They don't really want to know the answer to this question. They already have their own opinion. They know what they think. 
They're just trying to set him up. They're acting. They're praising him. Oh, pro, you're the greatest guy. They're acting. It's a, it's a big act. Hypocrites, he calls them, right? Why are you testing me? Hmm? Why are you testing me? Now, it's interesting that he also calls them hypocrites because you notice in this, in, in this um, scene, Jesus says to them, well, um, somebody dig out your, in your pockets and give me a, a Roman coin. And they're all able to dig up. They, they, they quickly present him a Roman coin. Wait a minute. You, you mean to tell me that you're participating in Caesar's economy? You're using his coinage? Uh, oh, you purist. We shouldn't have to pay taxes to Caesar. Oh, yeah, but guess what? You, you walk on Caesar's roads. You use his coinage to... You know, make the economy go. You you use the mail system. You you you're enjoying the what they call the Pax Romana, the the peace of Rome. Rome kept a lot of wars suppressed and allowed economies and other things to flourish. So they were oppressors, but they also provided certain things. And you're more than willing to live off of Caesar's blessings, paved roads, good mail system, the peace of Rome, the lack of warfare. Uh, you're more than willing to enjoy the, the protection of the Roman army against all these other tribes and barbarians. But uh, you don't want to pay taxes. But you got his coin in your pocket, you hypocrites. You want to say, I don't want to have anything to do with Caesar? Fine, don't have anything to do with Caesar. But you have a lot to do with Caesar. Now, let's bring it into the room. This isn't just an historical problem. I, like you, <laughs> I'd like taxes to be lower. <laughs> um, you know, we, this is part of the political process. But I will tell you this much. I am more than willing to, to drive on roads that are paved by the government, bridges that are built by the government, electrical grids that are maintained and so on by the government and other utilities. I'm more than willing to enjoy lots of benefits from the government, but then I don't want to pay taxes. Or is it just me? Come on, y'all. Aren't we that way? Now, I'm not calling us hypocrites, but I think all of us will say, I'm, I'm willing to pay just taxes. Sometimes maybe the taxes are too high. That's fine. That's part of the political process. You deal with that. But at the end of the day, there are some things, Jesus says, that we owe to Caesar. We render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Give to God the things that are God's. There are things that we owe to Caesar. Now, here's the nice thing in our political system which is an, uh, an elected system. Rendering to Caesar isn't, there's not, some, ain't, there's not some foe who's come to us from somewhere else and you know, occupied our country and is making demands of us. We actually elect our leaders. We actually elect and we uphold our government. So we are the government. So one way of saying render to Caesar is saying, look, take care of each other in the common good. There is a common good. We all need streets to drive on. We need a stable electrical grid. We need, uh, you know, good, good, you know, stable power and all that kind of stuff. We need good transitions of government. We need all that kind of stuff. We need a police force. We, you, know, you get the idea. We get all these things, and they cost something. And when we pay our taxes, it's one way of me taking care of you and you taking care of me, because our government is an elected government, and we do 
have some say. They're not some foreign potentate that's invaded our land and is occupying us. So for all of us, there's a call today to consider the common good. There are some things that belong to, quote, Caesar, but Caesar is us. Those people down the street, we elect them. Oh, I don't like them, though, Father. I don't like them. Well, <laughs> but they kind of reflect us, don't they? And we do vote them into office. I'm just going to say <laughs> that's what we do. So you talk about that at election time. But at the end of the day, we've got to take care of each other. Now, what? so then let's, let's ask two questions. What do I owe to Caesar? And then what do I owe to God? Now, I can't give you an exhaustive list, but let me just talk about a few things that we owe to Caesar, which is another way of saying we owe this to one another. We, are, we ought to obey all just laws, right? It's part of what creates order in our culture. We owe that to one another, to obey just laws. We ought to pay all the you know, legally assessed taxes, if you don't like, if you think taxes are too high, go to the election booth. But, but for now, you pay the legally and justly assigned taxes, which is another way of saying we're taking care of each other. We are also to pray for our country and for its leaders. We are to participate in the common defense of this country according to our state in life. If we're younger, we may be asked to go to military services and other things. If we're older, we, we, you know, we support the common good, but we are called to participate in the common defense and, if you will, uh, prosperity of this country. We're, we're asked to take an active and informed role in the political process. Okay? We're asked to engage in movements that are necessary for reform in this country. A lot of us here were involved in the civil rights movement back in the 50s and 60s. You know? There are necessary movements for reform in this country, and we ought to take part in them to the degree that they comport with our Christian values. We ought to contribute to the common good by our work, whether it's domestic work in the home or whether it's work in the economy. You know, it's astonishing. You just go to the Safeway and pick up a can of peaches. How many people stand behind that, that can of peaches? I'm going to tell you 10,000 people. You know, everything from the people who canned it to the people who grew it to the people who picked it to the people who, you know, processed it to the roads and everything that got that product to the stockroom clerks, everyone who put that item on that shelf. So all you've got to do is go there, pick it up and say, OK, I think it's too expensive. I'll get this other cheaper one. Ten thousand people stand behind that. You see, all of us are called to take part in the common good. By our own work, whether domestic work in the home or whether in the economy, but all of us are called to take care of each other, and we do. We have a, a very amazing economy, rich, it's diverse, it's, all these things are available to us. Getting a little closer to home, though, we're also to maintain strong family ties. You know, the heart of this culture is not the individual, it's the family, so that means get married, stay married. Raise your kids, raise them well. Set them loose after you've raised them well. Make commitments and keep them. We take care of each other this way. It's part of our duty to one another. Likewise, we ought to encourage a good, strong, and healthy, patriotic love of our country. I can't stand these people that just shake their fist at this country. 
We're not a perfect country. We've, no, there is no perfect country ever in history. But this is a good country, and good American people live here. And we're rich and we're diverse. I mean rich in diversity. We're, we're filled with so much beauty, and we have so much in this country. We ought to love our country. It's part of the fourth commandment to honor our father and mother. We owe this to one another, to love this country. And in a way that says there are some things that need changing, yes. And there are also things that are wonderful about this country. We're like any other country in the world. We're a mixed bag. But we are richly blessed. And then we're to strive for unity and love rooted in the truth of God a good biblical worldview where we honor God by the way we live our lives, honorably, decently, honestly. Now, all these things we quote owe to Caesar. I could, I could go on a longer list, but you get the vision, amen? We owe these things to one another. Now, what do we owe to God? Well, first of all, somebody say everything. <laughs> But we could specify the list, and I'm just going to give you a few things, not the whole list, but we owe God adoration. We owe him love. We owe him gratitude. We talked about this a little last week. We are here on Sunday morning, not just because, oh, I feel fulfilled. I come and I hear a message. I hope you do. Great. But you are here because you owe God. You owe this to God in justice to come and thank him for all of his benefits. You owe it to him. So do I. This is a duty. God's been too good. Every beat of your heart is a blessing. And you say, oh, I don't have time to go to church. Well, it's very ungracious of you. Rude. I'll just add plain old rude. <laughs> God is deserving of our adoration, our gratitude, our thanks. God is also due our obedience. He's not some dude with an opinion. He's the Lord, and he expects to be taken seriously. And when God tells us, thou shalt not, don't do it. And if God says, you'll do this, we do it. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'll get around to that. See, we owe God obedience to his law. We owe him worship. We also owe him repentance when we sin. Lord, I screwed up. I did something wrong. I know you love me. I know you're merciful, but I have to admit I did not conform to your will in this or that matter. I need to repent, to think differently, and to act differently. I owe that to you because you expect to be taken seriously. We owe this to God. We owe support of his church. We talked about this last week. Time, talent, treasure. How can the church survive and do the works of God and continue to preach the gospel if we're not showing up or only showing up one or twice, two times, three times a year. How's the church supposed to survive if we're not contributing? How's the church to survive if we don't have, if we don't also add our talent and if we're not here on Sundays? See? So again, we owe this to God. We owe to, we owe to God also the sharing all of our gifts and talents, including the evangelization, the proclamation of the gospel, especially if you're parents. You owe this to God to tell your children who God is, teach them to pray, read them Bible stories, bring them up in the holy, reverent fear of God. 
This is what God tells us. You owe this to God and your children and all of us. You owe him also the devoted reception of the sacraments. The Lord says, do this in remembrance of me. What part of do this don't we understand? Well, you're here. <laughs> Thank God. A lot of empty pews, though, too. Some people don't seem to understand when the Lord says, do this. They seem to say, oh, what does that mean? <laughs> it means get, get in here. Get, get over here and receive my body and blood worthily. We owe God to raise our children in his truth and in reverence of him. God puts the care of immortal souls in your care and in my care. We owe him to say to the, I, I, this is very serious. These children will either spend eternity in, in heaven or hell. But it's my obligation, Lord, to teach them your ways. We also owe God to prepare for our own death and for, by living a holy, decent, and worthy life. I could go on, but you see the vision. You see what we owe to God? We owe him these things. We're all kind of today kind of, you know, we turn religion into a kind of a therapeutic thing. I come because I'm being fed, or I don't come because I'm not being fed. It's not about you. Somebody say, it's not about you. <laughs> it's about God. Now, I, I, I promise you, if you come, God will not be outdone in generosity. He will feed you. He will preach to you. He will inspire you. He will give you his body and blood, his soul, his divinity in the Holy Eucharist. He'll do all that. But we come first and foremost because God is worthy. He deserves our worship on the first day of the week. And he's commanded it, not because he needs praise, because he, but he knows we need this. All right. Well, look at me getting all wound up. Enough said. Render to God the things that are God's. And render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. There's two tables of the law in the Old Testament. The first table is what we owe to God. And the second table is what we owe to each other. So, for example, the first three commandments are all about love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and all your mind. That's the first commandment. And those first three commandments are tucked under that commandment. The other one is love your neighbor as yourself. And all the other commandments are about that. Honor your parents. Honor people who care for you. Give them due reverence and honor. Don't lie to them. Don't cheat. Don't sexually exploit them. Do not lie or, or take or steal from them. Love your neighbor. Love God, love your neighbor. Render to Caesar, that's us. Second table of the law. Render to God, first table of the law. And so Jesus handles this question so beautifully. They think it's either or. Render to Caesar or to God. No, they're together. Now, I will say one final thing. There will be times in our life when Caesar, and again, I mean something in our world demands of us something that we know that God forbids. Your first loyalty always belongs to God. If God says no, I don't care if the president, I don't care if the entire joint chiefs of staff tells you to do something, say no, I love God more. Your first obedience, my first obedience is always to God. 
But generally speaking, these things are in harmony. We take care of each other by rendering to Caesar the economy, the government, whatever, however you want to see it. Generally, that's another way we honor God because God says take care of each other. Most of the time, they're in harmony. But if there's ever a difference where God says A and the world says not A, choose God every time. Render to God the things that are God's. And render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. All the rest is commentary. Amen.